0: We have Callum Preston here in the studio. Callum, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me in. Our pleasure. Now, um, you're doing an exhibition at the moment, and this really intrigues me. Um, you're replicating a milk bar. Talk us through this.
1: Yeah, so this is actually uh, the fourth showing of this show. So, it's a, it's a work that I created at the end of, uh, wow, 2017 now, I guess. 2017, yeah. yeah. So, um, basically... When I was 12 years old, I worked, I lived and worked in a milk bar. Uh, I make that sound like I was living by myself. When I was 12, my very first job was in a milk yeah. bar, and I lived in the outer suburbs of Melbourne in West Meadows, which is out by Tullamarine Airport. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Classic suburban strip of shops with a fish and chip shop and a video store and a milk bar. And so the milk bar was just the place that we congregated. We as children congregated. Um, so I would, after school, get off the bus, go in there grab my skateboard at home and be skateboarding in the car park out the front, meet my friends. And this is around 1996, so pre-internet, pre-text messaging my friends to say, hey, I'll meet you here at X time. It's just the place that we ended up every day after school and on the weekends and sort of stuff. So, For sure. it was really that, that hub and the guy that ran the milk bar, Charlie, is really kind of the gatekeeper of the neighborhood in a lot of... And this isn't just my experience. Generally, in that era, with these kind of stores, they knew everyone in the neighborhood. They knew what was going on. They knew whose, whose child belonged to who. So, if you were acting up, your parents would eventually find out those kind of things. Yeah. So, he one day I went in there when I was about 12 or 13, and he said, Hey, do you want to job so I was it was like being offered a CEO position to me at that point I was just (laughs) amazed so he said I uh, come in once a week on a Thursday and you can restock the fridge and rotate the fridge stock so Mm -hmm. it was five dollars whether it took me half an hour or whether it took me five hours it was five dollars but while I was working I could eat and drink whatever I wanted from the shop so it was a very much a one for you one for me kind of situation at the Mm -hmm. time and you know as a 12 13 year old that's the dream. So I would go oh, there after yeah. school, do a few hours rotating the stock and then get home for dinner buzzing on Coca-Cola and lollies <laughs> and all or whatever. So that's how I came to be involved with the milk bar and I really only did it for probably maybe a year, but it wasn't as I said it was a it's a, technically an illegal job. I was underage to be working there, but it was really that first bit of adult responsibility in my life. So, it's always something that stuck with me. So, now, flash forward uh, to me being a 32-year-old artist Mm. and creating work that I really am interested in, in things that make people feel a certain way. So, with artworks, that can be, you know, a portraiture, a landscape, whatever. That's not the kind of art that I really create. And so, this work kind of made itself. I was just sort of the person doing it. And really, I... I just thought, oh, that was such a cool thing. And and I don't experience that anymore. I don't go into these little shops. I am at the late night convenience store or, you know, we buy things now when we fill up our cars with petrol. We don't really go to these corner shop type milk bars. So, um, I started making pieces of food from the shop from sort of memory of these mid-90s looking products. And I made a few and I made a few more and they didn't seem like enough, so I made a few more. And mm. by the end of it, I had 500 individually made wow. pieces. So, mm. pretty much anything you can think of in a milk bar is in there. So, the, the chips and drinks and chocolates and magazines, cigarettes, because it was 1996. It was a different sort of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, All of these things. And, and I thought these really deserve to be seen in the right way so I could I could have just put them all in a gallery but I thought why don't I build the entire shop around that and then the shop is the piece and mm. you rather than looking at the art piece you walk into the art piece you touch it you've, you're surrounded by it so yeah. that's sort of where it all came from it, it was really a, an idea that got out of hand
0: <laughs> for sure as
1: yeah. all good ideas do well yeah yeah, yeah. And, and it deserved that airtime. you know I really once I started I went no this is if it's worth doing it's worth overdoing yeah for sure really. yeah. 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 so it's like
0: um, this exhibition is about memory and feeling mm-hmm. and I saw it's very different from traditional art because it's not rely on um, traditional material like canvas and mibles yes so which aspect are you most most focusing on
1: well I guess it's technically a sculpture work really oh, yeah. but it's um for me, I mean, it's made of plywood, which is a cheap material. It's made of oh. paint and Posca pens. So I really wanted to turn these very uh, utilitarian tools. It's not it's not an oil painting or, you know, a bronze sculpture. It's, mm-hmm. it's literally a lot of it is made out of recycled plywood as well from building site hoarding. So I, I really wanted to make something that deserved to be held and exhibited and captured, but not have it be deserving because it has a monetary value. It's a it's a precious metal or it's mm. a something that had to be fired and glazed and all these kind of things. So, I'm essentially making junk into something that's mm. worth <laughs> keeping, I suppose. Mm. So, um, yeah, I guess I'm really... Uh, I've said before that the work is really... My work is only half of the show. The other half is the people that come and see it. It's It's the way that they feel when they see it yeah. and it's the memories that they think of and it's the stories that... It gets people talking amongst themselves and with me when I'm in the show about their experience. A lot of people saying my grandparents owned a milk bar, or I lived and worked in a milk bar, all those kind of things. So, yeah, it's it's a funny one. It's as far as art goes, and and especially archiving of art and things like that. It's a little bit of a grey area because mm. it's yeah, it's it's a very strange one.
0: Yeah, what definitely screams to me is that it's a very immersive uh, piece of art Thank and. You. Um, does it require um, a lot of nostalgic feelings uh, for people who
1: step in? Well, that's the thing. I, it really uh, it doesn't take much for people to be transported. I mm. think, and and it's it can be as simple, you know, for all of us as a song or a movie, something something that we remember from a time that's now passed. So, surrounding people in this environment, it's not so much about any one product that sparks a memory, but it's it's this experience of a a, a milk bar. So. Yeah. Because we don't go in them, I, I had someone come in who had been living over in London, doing the classic Australian, moved overseas at 22 for a couple of years, stayed there for 10 plus. And <laughs> she came to the show and she was quite emotional. She's like, I've been back in Melbourne for a year and I've been trying to kind of slot back into life here. And and she's like, you know, it's the same, but it's different. We all get older and our friends, you know, people are having kids and all this stuff. She said, but I didn't realise that when I left, I used to get our bread from the milk bar and I used to pick up things on the way home from the milk bar and now I don't have that experience. Mm. She said, I've been back for a year living in the same neighbourhood but in an apartment and things have changed. So, coming into the show, she said it was sort of like a time machine, for her, which which is great. And that's something that I hadn't really, really thought of. I was trying to make something more like a movie set, I suppose. Mm. And what it's become is a little bit transportive for people. Mm. Yeah,
0: like um, there's some one with experience will get memory from your exhibition but how about teenagers like me well yeah, yeah that's
1: a very good question so i feel like I- i'm 34 now and i think that i'm probably just above sort of the last generation to really have used these kind of shops because of mm. the convenience that we all yeah. demand now with these late night 24 hour you know type situations so Um, for teenagers and and really young kids especially the young kids it's great because they often come with their parents and they say when I was your age we used to come here and buy mixed lollies Mm. or we would buy this or this is the kind of shop that grandma and grandpa used to run and the kids are kind of It's very colourful. It's very bright. Mm. I have music playing and there's a TV playing, old 90s TV shows and stuff. So Mm. it's a fun experience and they're getting something out of it, but it's definitely a different experience, I think, for teenagers and and kids because, uh, yeah, they didn't didn't (laughs) have that experience. So I tried to make it be visually uh, exciting, regardless of whether you understand what it is. And I've had people from overseas visit as well and they said, oh, we didn't have milk bars where I grew up but we had this kind of general store and I get, I understand the vibe of what this is,
0: mm. but it's
1: definitely not my childhood. But I guess the other part of my artwork is that <laughs> even if you don't like it or understand it or really know what it is, you can't deny that there's a lot of work in it. And so you're yes. completely surrounded with 500 individual items. It's sort of... Um, I like to think it's a little bit overwhelming, but in a good way. Mm. Mm. I think... Uh, the first kind of thing that comes to mind for me
0: when you see all the colours, everything pops and uh, Mm -hmm. it's very uh, tantalising in that. Um, But one of the things I really love that definitely lifts it to the next level is the lollies and not just that, but the kind of cynical lolly bags
1: as well. Um, What was the idea behind that? Well, in making the work, it intrinsically made me think of these flavours and these tastes and... Uh, you know, I guess it's it's like an addiction, right, sugar? So <laughs> it, is, yeah. I, it made me want to, want to be, as I'm painting chocolate bar after chocolate bar, I'm thinking I would like to eat a chocolate bar. So I thought, I think that people should have some lollies while they're viewing this work to get them a little bit more in that zone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it's also something that, I wanted people to interact with the artwork as a shop. So the lollies meant that you were getting something over the counter of the shop. It it breaks that wall of it being a no-touching piece of art in a gallery to actually being an interactive experience. So I like to think it's, you know, more towards a Disneyland art experience than mm. it is to, you know, a an oil painting on a wall. Mm. Um, and it seems to have worked. The lollies are a big hit always. That's great. Yeah.
0: And honestly, see there's many criticism like focusing on this informal art so how do like what's your real bodies because hmm.
1: uh, as in where does it sort of fit with other artwork yeah yeah well i mean that's something that i have come up against and it's currently showing in swan hill which is a regional center mm-hmm. um, i started the show in collingwood which was very inner city and uh, i come from a graffiti street art sort of background so there was people coming to see the show and and framing it in that way they were thinking of it as a street artist that had created this kind of thing but then i started touring it regionally so the first place was Banella and then it's been to hamilton and now it's in swan hill and each of these towns are towns that had milk bars and still have milk bars a bit longer than the inner city because mm. of their original community mm. and um a lot of these galleries are, have world-class collections of their own and amazing mm. pieces but the towns don't necessarily know it they they sort of have this gallery and I think galleries in these towns can be an older older person's thing or that's not of any interest to the younger people there so I really have enjoyed bringing these this piece in and inviting school groups to come along and I've had people come that say I grew up here my whole life I've never been in the gallery and I'm 35 because I didn't Mm. think the gallery had anything for me so I think it's so much more um palatable to people to have this sort of pop Art type situation, yeah. mm. which is something that I'm really excited about being able to because then they can see the beautiful oil paintings and the sculpture and different things as part of the collection.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think you border, like, you border the boundary of the art.
1: That's Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that that's something we can do for sure.
0: Fantastic. Uh, Callum, we've loved having you um, on the show. Where can we find out more details about the exhibition?
1: So, uh, as I said, it's currently at Swan Hill, which is about four hours from Melbourne. Um, it's there for another two and a half weeks till the 29th of april um but if you want to see more online you can just look up callum preston's milk bar uh if you google that there is actually a callum preston's milk bar.com which has photos of the show but um there was a lot of coverage of all the different previous showings, so you can see some different um news reports and reviews about the show and and just see photos of it i think once people see photos they'll understand a little more exactly what we're talking about because it's (laughs) yeah it's it's a strange one but uh It's brought a lot of happiness to a lot of people and I really enjoy meeting everyone that gets to see it. So good. Callum, thank you so much. Thank you both very much. Cheers.